In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 350, the big one! Well, not really. <laughs> well, I mean, technically. It is 350, it's just not particularly, it's not going to be oversized. No, not an oversized anniversary episode or anything like that, but 350 is a big number, so we figured we'd cover something relatively big. Well, uh, actually, Mark figured we'd cover, because I, I, I don't think we, did we mention doing Emerald Dawn 2 when we had our little meeting about what we wanted to do in the future? Yeah. This year, oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. Emerald, because we we've been we've been talking. Spoiler alert! Yes, it's Emerald Dawn too. <laughs> but of course, you know that before you click the link because it's going to be the, the title. Uh, we talked about doing Emerald Dawn too ever since we did the first one. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I know we'd planned it. I just didn't know if we talked about uh, when we when we met up to discuss our 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 options this year. I didn't know if that we tossed this out or not. But whatever. Uh, so yeah, Emerald Dawn two issues one through six. Um, and uh, Mark's gonna Mark's gonna take this one. Uh, now you've got the trade, I assume. Yes. I've got the digital issues individually, so it's a good thing you're recapping this one, so there's no pause in between <laughs> the issues as you recap. Um, but yeah, man, take it away. All right, Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn two, otherwise known as what, Ninety Days, Chad? <laughs> yep, Ninety Days. Oh Hal. Uh, so we have Keith Giffen and Gerard Jones writers, M.D. Bright penciler, Romeo Tangal inker, Anthony Tallon, uh, colorist, mm-hmm. uh, and De, uh, Albert de Guzman is the letterer. Pretty much most most everybody here we kind of know it's from Green Lantern comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, no great surprises here. So this. This the whole the whole framing mechanism or device for this story basically goes back to Emerald Dawn one when, but the controversial decision of making Hal Tony Stark and making him a drunk right Hal <laughs> right Chad <laughs> right right so he he got busted for DUI and basically essentially this this whole miniseries this six issue miniseries picks up on the repercussions of that when Hal decides to man up and and plead guilty and of course he. Hal Jordan can't really afford a lawyer. Not a good plan. He's kind of expecting some leniency. He doesn't get it. They pretty much throw the book at him, and, he, and, they, and they throw him like, like, like 90 days in the state pen, pretty much. <laughs> not even so that which is not. It's definitely not what Harold, what Harold Hal Jordan signed up for. Um, so part one is called the Powers That Be, and you kind of see Hal on the little paddy wagon being taken off to the state pen. But in the meantime, uh. Uh, in in the van, they he they uh, Hal hears about a robbery taking place, and he kind of creates this uh, emerald emerald construct uh, of himself. 
that basically is like a placeholder because he figures, oh, I'm going to take care of this and get back in time. So he fly, he transforms into his uniform, flies out to deal deal with these bank robbers, and of course, Hal's Hal's doing a good job until he becomes Hal and gets cocky and he gets cracked over the head with like a a yellow. It's like a it's not a lamppost, but it's like one of like a rope like a probably like a rope holder, right? Like a whatever that. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah, like the, the, those things that like you know yeah, so, divide up, divide up the line and yeah, stuff so I'm like that. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Obviously, there's a term for it, which I'm drawing a blank on, uh, but. Hal gets cracked in the face. He doesn't get knocked out, but he gets stunned. Then he kind of gets teed off, and, and he, and he, he kind of takes out the bank robbers pretty quickly. He kind of like he creates a pseudo prison uh, out of uh, material in the bank to, just to keep them in place because he knows the cops are on the way at this point. So he can fly off and put himself back in the paddy wagon where he belongs, and, he, and, he, and that happens right before he gets to jail. Uh, for, the guards notice the Green Lantern ring, and they kind of like – then the, then then the ring kind of like he he makes the ring but disappear, and they kind of threaten him with a body cavity search, which was kind of confusing because he's kind of assumed he ended up somehow turning over the ring, but of course he really didn't. Uh, which makes you wonder where he put that ring. <laughs> he just willed it invisible. Right, but they, but they were threatening a, a body cavity search. I mean, pretty much. Um, right, it was still on his ring, his his finger, but invisible. Yeah, they didn't do it. you. You would think they would have done a better job, but yeah, I, you are correct. That's all it was. But I thought I, I thought it was. I thought when I first read it, they kind of like were trying to like, it was just a ploy for Hal to more or less turn the ring over and not have it on him. But either way, we know he ends up with it. Uh, we cut to Oa, where the Guardians are. This is in the you know the post Legion cleanup mode, and they're talking about you know how, you know pretty much how Jordan needs to be trained, and Kilowog is pretty. Is without doing, he's doing the recruitment and for new corpsmen. So at this point, they kind of decide that hey, the best the best one for to deal with Hal uh, to train him is Sinestro. We cut back to prison where Hal's dealing with this uh, kind of like almost like like a Mr. Clean Jason Voorhees combination. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who's kind of who's kind of threatening Hal and and Hal's like he's got his. Now we know we see in this scene that makes it clear that he still has his ring, but before Hal can even think about doing anything if necessary to to, to, to kind of like fend off this guy, this guy ends up with a with a shank in his back, and of course Hal Jordan seemingly gets in trouble because people think he shanked this guy, so he ends up he he ends up being accused of this, and he kind of gets not not a lawyer, but he but he kind of gets a caseworker, and guess who the caseworker is? Who is it, Chad? Kyle Rayner. <laughs> No, but it's close. It's Guy Gardner. <laughs> non bowl cut Guy Gardner. Relatively mellow Guy Gardner, at least for now. And and Guy Gardner kinda he kinda makes it clear that he thinks that he can help Hal and he believes him and he thinks he can you know, he can get out of this get him out of this situation. Uh when when he says his name, uh Hal recognizes Guy Gardner from when he when he played uh football at Michigan. And Hal kind of talks, you know, Guy, excuse me, kind of talks about how he's kind of like channeled his aggression, more or less, to try to. So that's why he comes, kind of comes across as this pussycat now. In space, Sinestro is is protecting his sector, uh, dealing with. Uh, do we know who? Does it say who they are? I thought it did. Some, uh, I don't believe so. But it doesn't really matter. Some 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 lizard-like aliens in in. White silver spaceship that Sinestro pretty much thwarts their their invasion, and 
you know, he, he he cleans up the mess and everything and everything else. He returns to Korgor, and of course, you kind of get the first hint of trouble the way the 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 radar operator is reacting. It's like he's coming, he's coming, but they don't look too happy. But of course, by the time uh, Sinestro arrives, there's all these everybody's everybody's you know playing music for him, his theme song supposedly, I guess, and they're, they're cheering for him and they're welcoming him, and we get a uh, we kind of get the young Cat Matui there. The uh, the uh, of the Young Lantern Brigade, foreshadowing. Uh, but Cat Matui there, you know, with flowers waiting for Sinestro and everything else. And Sinestro gives them a special, gives her a special signal in case she or the brigade ever need help. Uh, I get you, you got another sign of trouble when uh, what what does he actually step on here? Uh, it could be a piece of glass or a crumpled piece of paper. Who knows? Basically, the point I think the, the ultimate point is there's some kind of something's not pristine. <laughs> Every, everything's not the way Sinestro likes it, and he ends up stepping on something. And you get a really angry look in Sinestro's face, and some of the people waving the Green Lantern flags are really concerned. And all of a sudden, Sinestro gets and the green pop disappears. And of course, they, the Corgorians uh, there are pretty happy that Sinestro leaves. He ends up Sinestro in the Guardian Citadel. And this is when the Guardians kind of pretty much inform him of his new task to train Hal Jordan. Of course, he's not happy with it because he's afraid of leaving his sector that he might fall into chaos and everything else. And at least Sinestro kind of kind of buoys his own spirits in this by making it seem like at least but at least the Guardians like recognize talent when they see one. At least they recognize that I, you know, they picked the right man for the job. At least even if they got to take me away from uh, from where I want to be. And that leads to the end of the first part, where a, a cell-bound Hal Jordan sees the arrival of Sinestro. And a, uh, part part two, which is entitled "Balance of Power," Sinestro is kind of confused at first, thinking that for some reason that Hal Jordan is li- is choosing to live in the squalor. And then Hal fills Sinestro in about, "No, I'm pretty much uh, I'm paying the penance for something that I did." You know, maybe you know, basically kind of saying, "Maybe we, you know." The Guardian should know about this, and we should do this kind of after the fact. Once I get sprung from uh, my 90 days, Sinestro doesn't really buy that. He he kind of creates a sleeping Hal Jordan construct. Now, how is that really going to – I mean, I, I like the way that they kind of change it into more like a hard light construct, but still. But they kind of make the construct of sleeping Hal Jordan, so then Sinestro and Hal go off, go off together. Um, Sinestro starts giving the basic uh, pep – Basic training, the very uh, basic ideas. You know, you're wa- you're wasting your mental energies. Your ring will lead you through simple obstacles, and that's when they're flying through space. And he's basically trying to just give them, give Cal a, a crash course on what a Green Lantern really should be and how you should use the ring. We end up on with an interesting meeting here of uh, Coons, the Citadel, and the Dominators. Some of our favorite people, right, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if the Kund wasn't involved. Well, they suggest later that the Durlins yes, join this. Yes, I know. Role, I saw that too. Like, thank that, God that, not. That, that, that made me cringe. It's like, thank God we had to wait decades to, to realize why that was a bad idea. <laughs> so they're, they're having an, an evil meeting of the minds, uh, plotting embargoes and, tra- and dealing with trade tariffs and all this crap. And Sinestro and Hal pretty much are there to kind of like br- br- you know break up this meeting. Uh 
Sinestro goes, it's my regretful duty to bear the news that the Green, La- that, that the Green Lantern Corps, which is to say the Guardians of the Universe, are troubled at such a condo- consolidation of power. And Sinestro kind of stumbles more than I did there. Trying to, because first he says that you know that I have an issue with it. Then he says the Green Lantern Corps has an issue with it. Then he says, oh, but that means the Guardians. So basically, he's kicking the can all the way up. But originally, Sinestro's real self was coming out and saying, I have an issue with this, and that's kind of why I'm here. Uh, it's kind of funny seeing Sinestro trying to be diplomatic in his own way, which I find really curious. But uh, I guess he's putting on the good face. That doesn't really last very long anyway, because they end up getting into this. Kind of this 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 fight. Uh, Sinestro tries to prevent it. Hal's ready to you know be Hal and ready to leap leap into action, and they end up having they end up having a big big brouhaha. And you know Sinestro's yelling at Hal's like, "But the Guardians, Jordan, do you realize you know where where we are? Do you think they, that even they can survive a fall like that?" When he kind of th- throws some of the uh, Alliance out the window, and then we see that, of course, Hal Jordan says, oh, I was just trying to get their attention, and he kind of scoops them all up in little energy construct uh, uh, spheres, half spheres, or like spoons almost. Uh, we have a Dominator who, who blasts who blasts Sinestro, which is kind of funny because he tells Hal Jordan to watch his back, and of course, he's the one who gets blasted from behind. Sinestro doesn't like the fact that Hal keeps calling him Sin. Nor would I, actually. That's a really bad nickname. <laughs> Uh, so we have a whole bunch of Kuhn and everybody else all KO'd. Sinestro is staggering to his feet, and ironically, Hal's the only one who's completely on his feet and looking good. Uh, Sinestro obviously didn't like that. He kind of lashes out at Hal. It's like, you're hopeless, you're a waste of my time, a waste of the Guardian's energy. I had the situation under control. Do you hear me? Under control! And then, of course, uh... You know what that reminds me of? Because this is the second time this has happened. Because earlier... Uh, Sinestro says, uh, chaotic minds, chaotic, chaotic, chaotic. And then he does the same thing here. He does the whole under control, 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 control. (laughs) Reminds me of Professor Hinkle from Frosty the Snowman. Busy, busy, busy. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think, yeah, I know. I don't, so for, for, because it, my mind immediately went there, now I hear in my voice, the, 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 the voice of Sinestro in my head is Professor Hinkle from Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> oh, yes. And then, like, and as I just, as I said a second ago, it kind of, even though he doesn't mean it in a true way, it reminds me of Yoda and Empire. Control! Control! You must learn control! <laughs> <laughs> Except, of course, this would be like Yoda yelling at him. <laughs> And, and, oops, as I hit my headset, and after after Yoda just freaked out and completely lost control himself. So yeah, so Sinestro and Hal are really not off to a great start here. And he's like blasted, even yelling yelling at you is a waste. Just let me see if I can salvage this situation. And Sinestro kind of points out, you know, that as all the as all the uh, would be alliance makers here are laying on the ground, staggering to their feet. Like my honored host, so with the deepest regret that the Green Lantern Corps has found it necessary to discomfort you in this manner, but let us demonstrate the pointlessness of trying to forge your alliance. And if you so much damage can be inflicted by only one Green Lantern, please pretty much just imagine what the Corps can do to you. And I hope you give this serious thought, Sinestro says he flies off, and <laughs> and, and Hal's responding to the just one Green Lantern. It's like what, like what am I, the water boy, that kind of thing. And Hal and Hal flies off. 
the Dominators are not entirely, and their alliance are not exactly happy. It's like they all said, uh, "It's like, yeah, we're gonna forget the alliance." But it's like, no, it's like we wait, but we never forget. And it's like someday, yeah. And it's like, uh, and and it's like, uh, yeah, it's like you you can go as low as you want, Dominator. That little sanctimonious redskin creep thinks he can handle the coons now, and I'm going to rectify his impression. We go back to jail where where Willie. Who is, who is Hal's going to be Hal's cellmate shows up, and of course we see the fake Hal Jordan that is sleeping in his bunk. Uh, Willie ch- and it's Hal's on the bottom bunk. Willie tries to get over Hal to get into the top bunk. Doesn't quite work. He slips. He basically <laughs> goes right through the en- the energy construct. Hal hits his head. He bangs his head and he he hits his head, stuns himself. Sinestro and uh, Hal goes separate ways because pretty much at night is when they're doing all these training sessions so Hal can sneak out. Hal arrives back into the prison and he's trying to sneak in incognito. <laughs> and of course he finds – when he shows up, then of course Willie is wide awake and he sees Hal Jordan entering the cell in his Green Lantern uniform. So part three, this begins power play and you know Willie kind of like – kind of passes out, which is kind of funny uh, momentarily. Uh and he, Willie and Hal kind of come to a meeting of the minds about this, about you know their their relationship, and basically Willie agrees to keep it you know keep a secret and everything else. He keeps eyeing Hal's Green Lantern ring though, and and whether he was actually going to take it or it looks like he's going to take it, the point was, uh, the uh, the alarm goes you know, the the alarm goes off because it's it's time for everybody to get up at, in the prison, and of course Hal barely had you know. Hal pretty much was out all night, and he you know barely had a chance to shut his eyes, so he's tired. Willie, Willie kind of gets into a a fight with uh, as it turns out, one of the guys who was knocking over the the bank that Hal Jordan stopped. So this guy kind of like he 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 punches he punches out Willie, makes a point. Hal intervenes, and this uh, prisoner recognizes Hal Jordan. By the, you know, I guess by the by the voice and everything else, and Hal's that's not really what Hal wants to deal with, and so at, at this point the correction officers come in and, and because the fight's going on at, at, in, in the cafeteria slash mess hall, and they're breaking up the fight, and and Guy shows up. Why Guy happened to be on the scene and in a position to see all this, we don't know, but Guy kind of vouches for Hal, saying Hal's the one who just you know broke up the fight and everything else. Uh, so, uh, guy, guy and Hal continue their talk, and it's like, you know, it's like, uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm just glad I was there. These guards will treat you the same as him, you know. It's like, thanks, you're getting sorted to be my guardian angel. Uh, Hal, excuse me, Guy and, uh, Guy and Willie end up having this conversation. It's like, uh. Guy just – you could say Guy has, like, no love for Willie. It's like uh, he's no revol- revolving toward conflict, convict like you, and I don't want to see anyone trying to talk him into being one. Uh, and it's kind of funny. We find out that pretty much Willie – he stole the guy's watch and his wallet and being that close to him. So he has, so at least he's good at what he does, right, right uh, Chad? <laughs> you've, good- almost called, you've almost called me Hal twice. I know. I don't know why. I think it's t- – take it as a compliment, but I don't know why. I don't know. I think it's just a transition from Guy to Hal. <laughs> I think because I keep wanting to call Guy Hal, and then I keep wanting to call you Hal too. I don't know. Everybody's Hal except for Sinestro, which will make <laughs> Sinestro happy. Uh, 
So Sinestro shows back up at, back in the evening, and of course Willie happens to be around and he and he sees all this. How kind of vouches for him? Sinestro doesn't care, and he kind of like uh, does a kind of is about to do a mind wipe on him. Uh, Hal kind of points out why <laughs> why this is a bad thing that you shouldn't be doing shit like this. Uh, Hal and Sinestro fly off. Um, they're dealing with uh, we kind of it's kind of like a kind of like a recap here that they keep cutting between what Hal and Sinestro were doing doing in the evening when when Sinestro was training him and we're seeing Hal kind of like more or less accustomed being accustomed to the prison life during the day and uh, every. Dealing, you know, kind of like, kind of sort of like making friends for, for, for the most part, except for uh, that one, you know, that one convict, the the guy from the bank robbery, who basically ends up confronting uh, Willie, and he's looking for more information on Hal, and, and he ends up getting shanked. Uh, Hal finds this out when he's in the shower, and of course Hal wants to go deal in, with Willie because I guess he wanted to see him, but of course Sinestro once again shows up. And the timing is poor, but Hal makes you know kind of makes the, the decision that he probably should go with Sinestro. Now we end up arriving on Corridor, and we see you know, all all the Green Lantern symbols and all the flags, you know, with Sinestro's face on it. And pretty much we find, you know, Sinestro. Hal's just stunned the way they worship him. Sinestro's more stunned, excuse me, and surprised that nobody's around to greet him like they should. Then all of a sudden we hear a big boom, and all, and all the Corrigorians are open fi- opening fire on Hal and Sinestro with the death, death, death to Green Lantern tyranny. <laughs> oh yes, good times. <laughs> uh, part four: the will to power, and uh, obviously um, now we see like you know an unfortunate alliance between the Kund and uh, the Corrigorians here, especially Cat uh, Matui. But I guess, I guess the the uh, kind of like the enemy of the of your enemy is your friend kind of thing. So they've they've teamed up and and Cat Matui doesn't really care. They're trying to they're trying to take out uh, Hal and Sinestro. Sinestro's freaking out. It's like they cannot be doing this. It's got to be some form of mind control. They couldn't rise up against me. I had them too well trained. And Hal picks up on that inter you know immediately. It's like trained. What is this? A planet of seals? Um, so that, you know, Sinestro is just, you know, he just is convinced everybody's mind, basically being mind controlled here. And it's like, show yourselves, whoever is corrupting the, you know, my children. And Sinestro really starts ripping into Korrigor big time. And, you know, and Hal's trying, you know, Hal's trying to talk him out of it, talk him down at first. Then eventually Hal kind of contains him. And it's like, it's like you're killing them. It's like, uh, if it's a case of mind control, like you think. And he's trying to make the point that if you're right, then it's even more reason not to kill them. Sinestro says, what difference does it make if it's mind control? My people are in a state of chaos. And Hal kind of makes it clear that, you know, this situation is kind of like too big for the both of just the two of us. And he basically called in help. He called another Green Lanterns. This caught first at the moment of like fear or, or kind of like um, – more like acceptance of what that could really mean to him with the other Green Lantern showing up here. And then he lashes out at Hal, saying it's like, you know, you know they, it's going to spread disorder and everything else. It's like, this is my sector, the most, perf- the most perfect sector. Hal and Sinestro basically are duking it out at this point. And it's like, and they continue. I, I, get find, I find it interesting when, when uh, Sinestro puts him in the chokehold and is almost choking him unconscious. Obviously, that makes me think of the duplicate in Emerald Twilight. 
mm. when Hal kind of is doing the same thing to Sinestro shortly before he ends up uh, breaking his neck. Um, yeah, Hal f- is able to focus his willpower before he goes unconscious, and he blasts Sinestro in the face. And you know, he, he it, make, it becomes clear now to all the Corrigorians that you know Sinestro and Hal are fighting. So ob- so they're not. So maybe not all the Green Lanterns are evil, and or they may certainly not all be on. Uh, Sinestro's side. Uh, Sinestro, Hal actually gets the better of Sinestro. As Sinestro kind of like st- staggers to his feet, and it's like it's, it's like it's like you know, it's like you don't understand. It's like the, you know the core is going to misunderstand all this. The Guardians are going to they're not going to understand. It's like it's like we have to get out of here, and like before before they find us and everything else. And then I like the way Sinestro goes. We can't do that from a science cell. Science cell on Oa has like we need freedom to clear our names. <laughs> Ah, oh, Sinestro, always a dick, <laughs> never gonna change. So, so Hal kind of goes with Sinestro at this point, but he kind of knows that this is not really, not really what he should be doing. We go back, we go back to the to the prison infirmary where Guy is dealing with Willie, and uh, they're having they're having this conversation. Uh, and w- Willie still Willie's still looking for Hal, and of course Hal Hal's gone. And it's like uh, he just he basically he, he just he's just hoping Hal gets you know Hal's gonna get back in time and he and everything else. On Corridor, you know, Captain Matui is all happy is all happy. It's like we shattered the power of the Green Lanterns. They're all celebrating, and all of a sudden, you know, Kilowog and and but Tomoray and and the Green Lantern Corps shows up, and Captain Matui starts you know starts lashing out at the Green Lanterns. Thinking that you know they're all in league with Sinestro and <clears throat> and pretty much at this point the Green Lanterns end up discovering what Sinestro was up to and they try to explain to uh, to Cap Matui it's like Tomar goes you know young lady I realize you may not believe this but there's a great deal you don't know about the Green Lantern Corps on the Citadel and Oa the Guardians kind of realize what's going on with you know with with Sinestro and Mostly Sinestro, but they need to track down Sinestro and Hal. So they release the fists of the Guardians, which essentially kind of look like a combination of a uh, Jedi Master Kit, a robotic Jedi Master Kit Fisto wearing Guy Gardner outfit. <laughs> they are really weird-looking robot things, aren't they? Yeah. Why do we need the Alpha Lanterns when we have the fists? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and and no cosmic surgery required. Sure. That's right. Uh, part five, the price of power. Yes, power is a common theme here in these titles. Uh, Hal and Sinestro are on, 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 on an asteroid, and they're pretty much Sinestro's trying to figure all this out. Hal points out maybe they were unhappy. Uh, Hal's like, can't just wait, Sinestro. If we're going to lie low, we need to find a place to hide. We've been roaming space. It's like for two days. I was like, oh my god. It's like I, I it's like I gotta get back to prison. Which nobody ever says, but it's true in Hal's case. It's like I gotta get back. I gotta get back to jail. Meanwhile, meanwhile in the prison, there appears to uh, basically it's like this kind of this prison break or, or, or attempted riot is in, is is forming. <clears throat> Guy keeps pumping Willie. It's like where's Hal? It's like I haven't seen. I'm, I'm honestly I haven't seen Hal. And guys, like you know, if you don't, if you know anything, Willie don't cover. He's been missing two days. We have to think escape. Uh, the prisoners uh, conduct, you know, rioting now show up in the infirmary and they take, you know, they take Guy hostage. Uh, Will, you know, they pretty much uh, they grab Willie too, right? 
No, they leave Willie. Do they leave Willie? Because the one he must be sitting up in that one scene when Guy's being taken away. I thought they were taking him too. Uh, so Willie's still waiting for Guy for uh, Hal to show back up again. Hal and Sinestro show up together. Uh, the Hal goes to see Willie and kind of finds out what's going on. Sinestro makes a makes a construct Willie to pass himself off as Willie. <laughs> no, he says. Uh, um what does he say? Uh, I merely removed him from this building complex. So he transported Willie and then turned himself into Willie. Oh, okay, that's right. I had got. I was. I just was about to turn the page to that scene. Uh, I was looking at the previous one, but yes, that's the basic point. Sinestro is, is pretending to be Willie at this point. Uh, but he's but he's moved Willie. Yes, he's moved out of, he's, out of the building. Yes, he's moved Willie. Willie's no longer in the infirmary. He's not. But we don't know where. Yes, but we do not know where. Um, <clears throat> So the prisoners are, 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 threat, are threatening Guy. Uh, the the fists of the Guardians are find the asteroid that Hal and Sinestro were on, and they they basically tr- they track the trail, uh, and they realized where where they went, so they start heading off to Earth. You know the prison the prison riot really gets underway now. Uh, the uh, the main co- convict here, the one from the from the robbery, he wants, you know, he wants. You know, he wants a he wants a Green Lantern ring. He wants Hal Jordan's ring. Uh, Hal kind of gives it to him. You know, he puts the ring on. It's like the power. It's like a, it's like I'm really grateful for this, buddy. And and uh, that's what the, the convict says. And back in the day when anybody could use the Green Lantern ring, so this guy is you know, just bla- using the power ring. You know, bla- blasting energy all over the place. Uh, guys watching all this, and he kind of sees, sees that Willie ends up having a Green Lantern ring. Then we see it turns into Sinestro. You know, Sinestro, Sinestro pretty much nullifies this, the other guy's Green Lantern power. Takes you know, pull, pulls the ring away from him. I liked his little speech here. Is like, uh, take this as an example, Jordan. Fear is the mother of disorder. Hal's <laughs> uh, ring goes back on. Hal's ring goes back onto his finger. Uh, now we see Guy pointing, the, who's got the gun now, pointing the gun at that convict, uh, and it's like a, how? Excuse me, Guy's about Guy's on the verge of losing it. It's like he's a killer, and Hal's trying to talk Guy down. It's like Guy, we've got him. Come, to, and Guy's like he's an animal, and he kind of like he he, he, like, he kind of like pistol whips him, and then he drops the gun, and Guy goes after him, and Guy kind of goes full bore Guy, and starts beating the shit out of this guy, and starts choking him. Then uh, Sinestro kind of pulls him off him. The Hal actually pulls him off him. It looks like uh, with the green with the Green Lantern hand. Uh, Sinestro's like, "Why not let one animal kill the other?" Jordan. <laughs> he tells Sinestro to shut up. Um, now Sinestro does his you know does his mind wipe thing that he was going to do with Willie. He does it with this convict, so he pretty much won't remember anything, especially about the Green Lantern stuff. Guy's really upset that he almost killed him barehanded, and Hal kind of gives him a pep talk. It's okay. It's like he won't have to forget, not by himself. And Sinestro was planning on mind wiping uh, Guy too, but once again, Hal, Hal points out that this is ridiculous. Don't do this. And Guy's like, "Do not obstruct me, Jordan." It's like, it's like I know what's best with the co- you know, but the core and the cosmos. You know, and you truly need the chaos will stop the dis- disobedience, the disorder, the ro- you know the wrongness. It will stop. It will stop Jordan. It will stop beginning with and and, and Hal sees it first. He goes Sinestro. Ha- Sinestro turns his head, and then we kind of see the fists of the Guardian show up, saying Green Lanterns 
of Sector 1417 and 2814, you are under arrest. Part 6. The Power and the Glory. Okay, these titles are getting repetitive now. <laughs> so the... Uh, you know the, the fists of the guardians. They they take. They're there to take Hal Jordan and Sinestro back. Uh, Sinestro and Hal. Mostly actually, Hal's ready to acquiesce in all honesty. But Sinestro was the one who breaks out, and the fists of the guardians go after him, and they blast him, and they knock, and they knock him down, and they and they capture him and and take him to Oa. Uh, Hal's cleaning up everything at, at at the prison, and you know the. Uh, the warden pretty much is uh, is thanking Green Lantern for everything for everything that he did. Uh, Hal's back in prison where he belongs, but of course everybody's look everybody's looking for Willie at this point. Hal's just sitting there trying to figure out, you know, basically he's thinking back at everything that's happened and wondering what's going on with Willie and like you know like like what would I like where where do I begin in telling the story? Pretty much if I got to fill everybody in on this if if I had to. And before you know it. He gets green energy popped out of the prison. He ends up on, on Oa, where Sinestro is on trial. And Hal Jordan was essentially brought in as a witness, a character witness for Sinestro by Sinestro. And <clears throat> it turns out at the end of the day, you know, pretty much Hal Jordan is, you know, Hal Jordan tells exactly, you know, what 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 really happened. He doesn't really, he's not going to go out of his way to cover for Sinestro. They bring Kat Matui is called in to make the case against Sinestro, uh, and she kind of she makes it clear what Sinestro is, you know what he's been doing, what excuse me what he's been doing and the actions he's been undertaking. Sinestro really he's going to cross examine her, but he really has nothing to say. You know Sinestro was found Sinestro was found guilty by the Guardians. Uh, he is to, and that's when he gets banished to the anti-matter uh, universe of Quard. Uh, Hal feels kind of guilty about this and everything else, and the Guardians say, you know, F- Sector 1417 is now without a Green Lantern. We must dispatch a team and scour the sector to find one. And Tomar says, well, if I may, uh, I think we may already have our replacement. And he suggests Kat Matui. Uh, Kat Matui kind of like kind of like resists at first, but the Guardians say, then can you recommend any another Corgorian more worthy to wear the ring? She kind of just goes, hmm. So this is this is basically how Capitoli ends up being recruited to the Green Lantern Corps. Um, we cut Tal Jordan gets returned to prison. Now we continue picking up about Willie. It's like uh, trying to figure out what exactly the you know the, the He's still being questioned for like what happened, you know, what happened to Willie. Hal doesn't know. Hal, at the end of his 90-day sentence, he, you know, he leaves, and it's like uh, there was, you know, there was a a letter that guy that came for Hal Jordan. Guy delivers it because uh, guy's there to shake Hal's hand and help him out the door. And then once Hal gets outside the walls of the penitentiary, he reads the letter and it says, "Hal, your secret's safe with me, buddy, and thank you, pal, for the early parole. See you next time, Willie." And Hal's like, see, it's like, sorry to disappoint you, Willie, but they won't be a next time. And who, who's the other person? Is that supposed to be? It's Carol, but who's the other person? Is that, uh, is that supposed to? Be, is that her father? Because it doesn't look no, like Tom. No, no, I think it was his friend that was in the car oh, with him. Oh, you could be right. It's just so hard to see. Uh, so Hal just points out there won't be any next time, and thus ends Emerald Dawn too. 
Perfect. What do you think? I mean, because uh, were you reading this as it came out? No. I mean, well, no, you weren't because of Emerald Twilight. I know, but like uh, w- when you first when you first read it uh, for the first time, what did you think? Given the fact that at that point you're going backwards and catching up. I I like I actually like it better than Emerald Dawn. I think Emerald Dawn Two is a better story. I like I like the dynamic. I mean, it's good having Hal kind of like step up to the plate and be responsible, as much as Hal Jordan is, can be responsible. <laughs> but try but trying to do the Hal Jordan thing, trying you know, trying to do the right thing, serving his penance, and doing what needs to be done. Uh, I I actually like as far as the Sinestro as teacher concept in the Green Lantern lore with Hal. I kind of like this version because it's – I like this version because it's it's still relatively brief even though, yes, technically speaking, if it's if it's occurring during the whole 90 days, that's a month and a half, right? Actually, right. that's – no, it's two – it's two – it's three months. It's three months, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's still kind of an, uh, an abridged version, so it's not like Hal was uh, like tethered to Sinestro for a long period of time because I, I, I honestly have never liked that concept. I, I don't like that. But – this version of it is a little – because especially because this story makes it clear that Hal holds his own with Sinestro pretty early on. Wait, so when you say when you say you don't like that version of it, so uh, at the end of Jeff Johns' run when you know the, Sinestro says that's the thing, Jordan, we, we've always been friends, that's something you don't like? I t- – I, d- I don't – I've never really been a huge fan of the idea – of making Hal and Sinestro, that Hal pretty much knew Sinestro before Hal, before Sinestro fell, that he was friend, that he you know that he firsthand saw all this. I never really, I, I just something about it I didn't really like, and I didn't, I, and I would have been okay with him knowing Sinestro maybe before he fell. I don't like the fact that Sinestro wasn't supposedly trained him or was responsible for the majority of his training. I never, I don't. I, so it's it's a mixed bag. I don't mind them being friends, but I don't. But I, but either way, this version I like better because of the fact that Hal still pretty much is his own guy, and Sinestro is still looking at things through his tunnel vision. But based on seeing what we see on the page, we see that Hal, you know, Hal's able to. He's not. He's he's walking in Sinestro's shadow a little bit, and he's acquiescing to Sinestro's experience. But he's able to hold his own with Sinestro, and he's able to deal with some situations better than Sinestro because Sinestro just approaches things differently, and sometimes the way Sinestro approaches it is better. Sometimes the way Hal approaches things are better. So I, I like that. I even like on 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 Korrigor that that he was able to hold his own as long as he needed to, and things like that. So I, I liked overall. I liked the story, and I liked I liked the relationship in this, you know, in this uh, version. Gotcha. Yeah, I like the story. I enjoyed it. Um, too much prison stuff for my for my enjoyment. Not enough space OA stuff and things like that. But I mean, it's sort of par for the course. I uh, can't really fault the story for that, uh, based on what it's trying to do here and the the threads it's picking up from the prior Emerald Dawn. Uh, I don't like Sinestro's design art wise, but everything else I don't really uh, have a problem with artistically speaking. So since that's the case, I can only just blame that aspect on design rather than art style. Um, 
or anything particularly wrong with the art. I just don't like the way Sinestro looks. But um, yeah, other than that, I, I enjoyed it. Fist of the Guardians. I wonder. I was trying to. I was trying to look it up while you were uh, recapping. I was pulling up some of the issues that uh, of the Green Lantern proper series that were coming out on and after this time. Um, cause the very last issue in the letter call kind of, you know, lets you know what other issues of Green Lantern will be coming out that month, which is like 17, 18. And then of course the big 50th anniversary issue, which is issue 19, where we have, you know, uh, Martin O'Dell come back and do that, uh, Yalin Gurr story and all that. So I was like paging through and I was going even through like all the way to like issue 25 or something, just paging through to get to the letter call. To see, because at the time in the letter call, if anyone mentioned the title, they'd make the title in all caps. So I'm basically just skimming. I'm not even reading these letter calls. I'm just looking for the all caps words and seeing if anybody mentions Emerald Dawn. Because the letter call at the end of this, uh, of issues two is talking, or of issue six is talking about issue two. So where are the reactions to three, four, five, six? I would assume they'd be in the Green Lantern proper series, but I never see those reactions anywhere because I, I was expecting to see someone ask, okay, is this retroactively what you guys are saying? This is where Guy is getting the inspiration for his suit. Hmm. It's a good point. Because if it looks so much like Guy, and this is, this is such a, a, this is the moment that Guy finds out about the Green Lantern Corps, and everything uh, in, in this particular continuity, then is is are we saying that this is such an impactful moment for him that he decides to to mirror his costume off the fist of the Guardians? Because at this point in Green Lantern history, Guy already has his his uniform as as you see it on these on on the fist of the Guardians. So it's it, are you then retroactively saying that that's where he got that inspiration from? Um, because I, I could, if I, if I wanted, I could go back and, and find the first time guy steps onto the page in this costume, but because this story hadn't happened yet, I really doubt that that story is going to tell us anything about why he chose the design he chose for his costume. So. But that's a good question though. It'd be, it would be curious if that, if that was the inspiration. Yeah. I'm also curious about whatever happened to Willie. Because, you know, he's, he kind of disappears. I found some information, uh, in terms of like, uh, various online sources that'll, you know, you can click on the name to see other appearances of him. And it looks like Willie only ever showed up in Emerald Dawn, too. So I'm wondering, you know, why was that thread never picked up on? Especially, you know, in, in the Gerard Jones run where you could easily just continue on and, and drop little hints here. So maybe I'm missing something. Maybe someone never connected the thread. Um, at least on the internet in a way that I can follow and say that he appeared somewhere else in the Gerard Jones run. But, uh, from what I could find, it didn't seem like Willie makes an appearance anywhere other than Emerald Dawn too. Time to give him the Phantom ring. <laughs> um, the, is it odd? It was an odd thing, uh, to, to me, just the way uh, retroactively speaking, the way Sinestro acts here, because the way the story is written, makes it like so obvious that he's uh, a controlling dictator. You know, it's th- th- he's absolutely in the wrong here. Whereas the way Jeff writes him, it's almost like the Sinestro still doesn't understand right. why, why Cal uh, and everybody betrayed him. So you, you wonder what, 
Jeff Johns is, you know, the, the, the Sinestro origin we never really got from him. Cause wasn't he supposed to do secret origin part two, which would have been like his Emerald Dawn two, something like that. Yes. Yeah. He said he was going to be telling, retelling Sinestro's origin. So you think about that and you can, you think about this story and then you think about what Jeff could have done in his version of this sort of these, these events. And you wonder what line Jeff would have had to toe so carefully to make Sinestro still seem like he's in his right mind, but also evil enough to where and, and what's happening is is severe enough for the consequences that take place. And I'm wondering if maybe that's part of the reason we never got it in the first place, because Jeff just couldn't figure out how to toe that line. I mean, he's a great writer and he loves the Green Lantern universe, so I, I really doubt that that's the reason that he couldn't figure it out. But I, at the same time, I'm I'm having trouble trying to figure out how you tow that line. Because if you do, if you make him too understandable and too logical, then what's the point of him being a villain? But uh, if you make him too far the other way, then he's sort of nuts for even thinking that people betrayed him. Because it's very clear he's in the wrong. Right. So uh, yeah, that it's, is true. It's, that that is that is an aspect of this true that that part. That part I'm not I wasn't one hundred percent thrilled with the fact that yeah they they do set it up from the beginning and they and there's even without Sinestro doing anything weird just the way the, just the way the people are reacting on Corrigor to mm-hmm. him they make it it makes it clear that they're they're not happy to see him and sure as hell happy when he gets pulled out of there so yeah. Yeah, it's it's very obvious. So later later on, I mean, obviously Sinestro is and has always been a villain up until, of course, Emerald Twilight and new, even into the Kyle Rayner on. But once Jeff comes on, he tries to make him one of these more understandable villains, a villain you can relate to. Um, so if you're if you're going to trying to make him a villain to relate to, then if he if he's in his own right mind, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what you go. You know, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, sure, it's very clear. That he, you know, he's in the wrong, but it doesn't matter because he's in the right in his mind. Maybe that's the way you do it, but I, I don't know. You, you can't make him uh, uh, um, an anti-hero or, or someone to identify with if you're almost adapting what you see here in Emerald Dawn too. Because there's no way to make this dude understandable and redeemable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the inclusion of guy, you know, making him a sort of pro bono court courthouse attorney or whatever, or, or jailhouse attorney. That was that was interesting. Yeah, I think that sums it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about the choice to do that. Um, you. You could have made him another. You, you know what would have been in more keeping. He could have been just been a guard that was on Hal's side. Yeah, but at least this makes him look a little like he's got a little more going under the hood. You know, he's got a little more. Uh, he's got there's a little more brain power you know, going on there as opposed as opposed to just being a. Or he's got to make a little more goals. His goals, I think, he's maybe it might make it look like he's got a little higher aspirations uh, by doing by having him be a, the caseworker or whatever. But I maybe, maybe, maybe. But at the same time, like it, the decision to make him the the jailhouse attorney or, or rep or whatever, 
that's that's all and well and good. But what does he accomplish specifically in that role? Is he a liaison between him and um, uh, the judge or Carol? No. Uh, does he do anything for Hal in terms of getting him out early or submitting paperwork or something? No. Does he do anything for Willie? No. He's he's in in the role that you're assigning him in this story. He's ineffectual and not doing anything plot wise. He it's just just an excuse to have this man here in this story. Wouldn't it make more sense just to make him a prison guard that just is 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 on Hal's side? Or a prison doctor, or not a doctor, but I guess like a, a medical attendee, a nurse, or something. Because if if your goal is to make him more knowledgeable, he's got the phys ed degree, so maybe some general knowledge about medicine that would kind of go in there. Um, the the you want to make him look smarter and, and like as you said, more more going on under the hood. That accomplishes that. Gives him an excuse to be in the prison. There you go. So why specifically the uh, attorney sort of a role? Because it, it, he he uh, he uh, affects nothing in that role specifically. It's nothing more than a service to get him into the prison. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. It's not, it's not really a criticism, more of a, why, why did you decide this particular one? I mean, it's, it's fine the way it reads. It's not like I don't believe it or anything. It's just, it, I, I'm, I'm curious about the choice to specifically put him in that role. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, and this is our introdu- introduction to Katma. So what do you, what do you think of that? I like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Not surprising considering, but, uh, I, I like I like the fact that she's kind of basically the leader, kind of like the leader of the resistance, even though she was being indoctrinated to be one of his supporters, one of his followers, and at the same time, so she and then she ends up being his successor. So it's so I thought I like that the little interesting dichotomy going on there. They also made her a model for some reason. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Uh, and we got a lot of Tomar stuff. Yes, we did. Some small bit of Kilowog stuff. And then, of course, the stuff with the Guardians. What do you think of all that? I thought that was a good a good balancing act in here. I mean, we, maybe a little more Guardians would have been would have been good. Obviously, Kilowog was barely not, pretty much not in it as far as in any real effective way. But it was a – Tomar got some good time, and that was pretty good. Yeah, I wish they would have made like um, – Tomar a bit more involved in this, uh, and I, and I know this sort of paints Hal in a bad light if they did this, but almost like if Sinestro was training uh, Hal, Hal was sort of upset or irritated with Sinestro's methods because so he kind of you know bitches to his coworker buddy about his supervisor, you know that sort of right. thing calls up calls up Tomar and complains a bit about Sinestro. That 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 would have been interesting, I think. You know, not not like just outright bitching and complaining, or but you know, just airing his frustration a bit, so that Tomar starts seeing a bit of a you know you know is trying to like defend Sinestro. You know, you're just you're new to the core. You need to be trained. You're an Earthling. You don't understand. You know, you, there's Sinestro has a lot to teach you because he, of course Tomar 
doesn't understand what's happening until he shows up on Korgar with those other lanterns. So what if, you know, there's a bit of almost of a guilt factor with Tomar of he's spending all this time trying to, you know, uh, defend his buddy Sinestro who in the core and, you know, tell how to trust him. And then, you know, uh, once he gets to Korgar, everything that Hal's been saying suddenly takes a different light uh, in, in the reality of what's happening on the planet's surface. That could have been cool. That is true. But all right, uh, anything else about this? <laughs> no, I think it was pretty good. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good overall. Yeah, uh, one thing we wanted to say: uh, Michael Bailey joined us way back in the day when we covered Emerald Dawn One. Um, but Mike couldn't make it for this episode for schedule scheduling uh, reasons. So. Because we did say in that episode, hey, when we cover, you know, Emerald Dawn 2, do you want to come back? And he was, uh, you know, completely 100% down. Uh, but just scheduling-wise, it didn't work out. So uh, we definitely did reach out to Mike, guys, in case you guys were expecting to hear him on this one. It just just didn't work out. But um, he's got a lot of good thoughts. You can go listen to him on Fortress of Bailey-Tude. And, of course, when we, if you haven't heard our coverage of Emerald Dawn uh, Part Uno, that is uh, episode number 271. Uh, posted, uh, oh shit, dude. Uh, as, as we record this, it's February 6th. Um, so, uh, Emerald Dawn, uh, uh, the Emerald Dawn episode posted on February 15th, 2017. Nice. So two years ago to almost to the date. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. For sure. Um, yeah, so 350. That it's been ex- almost exactly two years since Emerald Dawn coverage. Man, we couldn't have we couldn't have planned it if we tried. <laughs> and we didn't plan it, so we're good. <laughs> All right, man. Anything else you want to talk about this episode? Yeah, we said we were going to talk about glass. We were going to do it brief, even though we did kind of go a little longer than expected. So let's so, but we won't. We'll keep this relatively. But what did you think of glass, Chad? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it less than I thought I would. Um, it was interesting uh, up to a certain point when the plot twist happened, because I'm not sure how much we want to spoil. I think, uh, I think we could. I think we can delve into spoilers now, since the movie's been out getting close to a month now. Um, okay, so if you guys don't want spoilers, here we go. Um, uh, just FYI, uh, we're not going to talk about any other Green Lantern stuff, so if you haven't seen Glass, you can shut off the show. Um, but when the twist happens, I'm not going to say I didn't see it coming. And, and by that, I don't mean spe- the specifics. I just mean that something was up with this lady. Um, but when, when you get this whole underground organization thing happening and they're, they've been operating in the shadows to prevent this, the world from finding out about supers, um, it, 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 it it took away something that I have been unable to define. I don't know what I didn't like about that particularly because it's not like it's not like it didn't make sense within the confines of the movie uh, or in the confines of this world. If these, you know, if glass is right and that these 
stories that have happened throughout history uh, are our humanity's way of telling the stories of the special among them, uh, then, you know, why haven't we heard of them until now? Why has it only been in stories and te- why haven't we seen it um, in this in this new age? So it would make sense. There's got to be someone out there trying to, to stifle this information. But I, I don't know, man, just maybe it was the way it was done. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that we're probably not going to get another one of these because I think Shyamalan has said this is this is it. Um, uh, he said this is it, I think, in the past on other things before. So who knows if it's really it. But if this is the end of that trilogy uh, of, of this universe that he's built between Unbreakable and, and Split and now Glass, then I – I'm not satisfied with this ending. I don't like the way it sort of wrapped up uh, in the fact that it really didn't wrap up. Um, I, I get what Shyamalan was doing. I, I get, I, I, I understand the, the, the pathos and, and, and the sort of plot and the, the, the points that he's trying to make here. But narratively story-wise, I'm not really satisfied with the ending. So, I am okay with the – see, this is one of those interesting movies where if I had not known the spoilers going in, I would suspect I would have come out thinking – I would have – I think I would have come out being disappointed more if I actually went in completely spoiler-free on this movie. Uh, but I think know, knowing where it was going to go, I think I – that in this instance made it more, I think, acceptable to me, and I was able to appreciate it a little bit more. I still wasn't thrilled with the decision to basically kill off your three main characters. Mm-hmm. I kind of, especially David, because David really got a raw deal, and David. I mean, David's role in the movie was not probably as large as you would have hoped it was going to be. Too, he kind of did take a. I mean, Samuel Jackson's role wasn't particularly big in this movie either, at least for like the first third of the movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's one um, the one of the things my brother-in-law Gary said is for a movie called Glass, he wasn't in it quite a lot. Yeah, it was it was weird on that level. It was, um, and I just I don't 100% get the relationship what between Casey and and Kevin. I don't quite get why she's so concerning where they were at the in split why she's so warm to him now I, I mean you can get some basic compassion elements I suppose but I well um, I, I think it's probably because it, what happened to her there gave her the courage to step up uh, and, and because guys I, you probably heard me several times say I hadn't seen split yet. I saw Split like a few hours before I saw Glass. So I've now seen Split. Split is just as fresh in my mind as Glass now. So it gave her the courage to, yeah, I guess, report her stepfather. Yes, and overcome her abuse. abuse right, and, and, yes. and, 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 and overcome her abuse. And if she knows a bit about the history of what happened to, 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 Kevin, uh, yeah. to Kevin, plus understands at least the nuances of, of, of a Split personality disorder – and knows that you know the, the, what happened to Kevin happened to her in in some vein, and there is good within this man who also taught her how to stand up for herself. It, it don't get me wrong, I understand what you're saying, um, it, but it's it's almost like 
Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, some people uh, I know said that they thought, but I get. I think what you're saying. I think what you're saying makes makes more sense now that I really think it's been it's been a while since I saw Split. I mean, I do remember that part of it, or you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah she she sees herself and Kevin in some respects, but Kevin is trapped in this this hell of his own mind. And so I, I liked I liked I do like the way how they kind of use their everybody's weakness against everybody's weakness was used against them, which is not surprising. Uh, more so when they escaped and how they, how you know the situation was resolved with all three of the main characters, but then the, how they the trap they not really trapped, but the little mechanisms they set up in each one of their cells to make sure they couldn't escape which is interesting which which on you know which onto it i know onto itself it was it was just trying to uh it was playing see it was weird though because but obviously kevin didn't i mean the beast really didn't see himself as having a weakness so uh it it was clear that was an actual physical trigger when it with the lights that would that would cause the personality shift but with David, you know, David clearly, you know, they were based on the theory that they were trying to get across to people, to all the all of them, that they were not special. They clearly were just playing on David's own psychological belief that he had a weakness to water, that that mm-hmm. made him weak. So I thought that. So that was, you know, um, I liked it. I I I well, I did like it less than I thought. But I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it based on when I saw the spoilers. Once I saw mm. the spoilers, I said, I don't think I'm going to like this. And then, I, mm. and then when I saw the movie, and it's like, yeah, I, 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 can, see how, I can see how it works. And I, I, do, I do like the other twist of making basically Kevin's father was in, in the same train wreck that David was. So Glass was pretty much responsible for both of those characters becoming who they were. Yeah. Uh, so I do like I did I thought that was that was cute. Uh, it, it was it was it was good. I mean I can see why people would be disappointed, especially if for those who have been looking for that sequel to Unbreakable since it came out, I could see why they would be disappointed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you would you would need to make it more David and Glass heavy, and I and I I, I personally. Even if it was as good or even slightly better than uh, the movie we ended up getting, but I, I think it'd be cool to have this trilogy where you know the movie movie one focuses on David, movie two focuses on Kevin and, and his personalities and split, uh, and movie three focuses more on Glass. Um, it, all within the same universe, but from three different perspectives. I think that would be awesome. But they went with the they went with sort of a, a melding of the two, yet calling the movie Glass. And I understand why they did, because he's the he's the the, the through line for all of this 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 uh, of what happened here, and his theory was correct. And you know, uh, he's he's the 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 building block that pushes them to this moment. So that that makes sense. But you but that's more background stuff. It's not so much in your face. Uh, it's not so much. From his perspective or anything, so I I don't know. That was sort of irritating to me because um, you know it's one of those things. My brother and I said it, and I was just like, yeah, they did do that, didn't they? We really should have seen Glass more. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's true. All right, anything else? 
No, I think that sums it up. Okay, so since some people tuned out, you think I should just tell them now that uh, both episodes have been recorded, who episode one is going to be? If you would like to, go for it. All right, guys. The first episode of Creative Credit will be posting uh, towards the end of February. Episode one and episode two have both been recorded. I won't uh, say who's episode two yet because that won't come out until March-ish. Uh, I, would, I, would, I want to say I'm, – I'm shooting for like a once-a-month sort of a schedule, but I also don't have a schedule because I don't want to put myself in that box in case other things crop up, other projects we got to work on, anything like that. I don't – don't want to do that to myself, but shooting for once a month. The first episode of Creative Credit will post towards the end of February, and the first guest is Steve the Dude Rude. If you don't know who Steve Rude is, who are you, and where have you been? Because Steve Rude is one of the creators of Nexus, one of the most popular indie comic series from the 80s, if not the most popular indie comic series from the 80s and into the 90s. Um, amazing, amazing work. Um, yeah, I I don't want to give any spoilers about what we talk about or how that goes, but uh, suffice it to say, I got a very complimentary email from Steve about the interview and the questions asked and his experience on it. I, I do not mean that uh, as a way to brag about myself. I am saying that uh, as... I was not expecting that, and uh, it was a it was very encouraging in terms of con- continuing the the idea of the show. It was very uh, vindicating in terms of the fact that you know the the subject matter and the way I want to do this show and the, the kind of plans I have for it uh, seem to be resonating not just with the people I like, which is someone you'll hear on uh, episode two, but also the sort of icons in the industry like Steve Rude. So I, I like that was very awesome. So hopefully it comes across in that episode. So look for it towards the end of February. If you're already subscribed to the Lantern cast, it will be in your feed already. So no, no need to do anything extra, but uh, it will also have its own feed on iTunes as well. Nice. You're done good. I appreciate it. Uh, any headway on your plans? No, not yet. Uh, even though, to be fair, some of the things like – I guess some of the things that I'm talking about could really roll over into the spinoff as opposed to being uh, non-comic book issues of – comic book issue episodes of this show, like commentary. Technically, commentary tracks could be part of that. Mm-hmm. So technically, it could be. Uh but uh, no, nothing, nothing concrete as far as actually launching it yet. I really, I should make an effort to try to do, to try to figure that out. That that would obviously be a fun one to do, and it'd be relatively easy to record. Even if already, even if that one's only once a month, that should be pretty easy to pull together. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, but well, I do want I do want more some more commentary episodes. Regardless, I know I have to talk. Corwin and I still have to do Prometheus uh, just to catch up. So at least it'll bookend uh, Covenant, if nothing else. And I and and I think Ryan I think Ryan and I will do. We're gonna do something for Halloween. It's either gonna be I don't I don't think we've determined whether it's gonna be a commentary track or just a basically like a, a Blu-ray review. Blu-ray slash movie review since we never actually got to do that when when it came out, but that, that's but I know I think in the next few weeks we're supposed to 
we're supposed to record that. Hopefully, um, one way, one way or the other, there will at least be a con- there will there will be some Halloween 2018 episode, even if I have to record just a commentary track by myself since I've watched it friggin' like almost like 15 times at least since I got it. And I'm not always paying attention to it anymore, but it's in there. But I watch it, so I could I could definitely do a decent track on that if I if if necessary. So, and I think it'd be worthwhile. But. Yeah, uh, starting next starting next Tuesday, I anticipate myself uh, rewatching the crap out of Bohemian Rhapsody when it hits Blu-ray. So <laughs> uh, I don't I don't I don't blame you for the rewatch. Uh, I I actually started a new show on Netflix. I I, I got a, an Apple TV uh, and you know been been playing around with that. But uh, I started a new show on Netflix because I'm a fan of like Mae Whitman and and Christina Hendricks or whatever from uh and they have a show called good girls or something uh these these three women who like rob a grocery store and all the events that follow i've been wanting to try it and i just like got like four episodes in i was just like you know i want to watch something else so i just started watching the fast and the furious i I don't know why there's something about returning to stuff you already know what's going to happen and you enjoy and and re-watching the crap out of it so that's i've been on a big rewatch kick lately are you are you working your way up to tokyo drift (laughs) I am because uh, it, the first one, the second one, and then Tokyo Drift seem to all be on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know are. about the others. I don't think I don't. I think those are the only three on Netflix. I think, okay. as far as I know, those I think one, two, and three are the are the, are the ones because they were on in January. Yeah, because I've already seen the first one a billion times, the second one a billion times. I have a, this, the second one isn't that great of a movie in general, but it it's it occupies a space for me. The Too Fast, Too Furious occupies a space for me that. This is a bad comparison, but a comparison nonetheless that that the 90s Godzilla movie does, you know, like it's it's not the greatest movie. But, you know, if I'm, I'm going to catch myself watching it more than I really should. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but I never saw Tokyo Drift. So they also, if, 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 if Tokyo Drift helps build out the world that happens later on, I, I guess that means I should see well, it if I want to catch up on this it, franchise. It's kind of funny because to me that. To me, that's the relevance, I think, of the second one. The relevance of the second one is because it does add a lot of supporting characters that that are going to be relevant and continue on because it because there's ludicrous and you know he he comes into it in the second movie and things like that. So a lot of the Roman, a lot of these characters coming in the second movie that basically have carried forward. Not obviously in in three and through and I don't and some of these I don't think so much in four either. Even though four, I think, is when they introduced uh, Galaxy Godot's character. But like from five going forward, obviously we get a whole. You know, pretty much you get you get a lot of the characters that were brought in that were, I think, in previous in previous episodes. So and so I think that's I think that's relevant. And as far as a complete tangent too, I know on on Netflix right now they have like Final Destination one, two, and three because I've been watching those. They again they don't have they don't have the later ones, but they have. But they have the first, the second, and the third one, which is my favorite. Uh, not just because Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it, but because it's the roller coaster one. I thought was pretty clever. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really much interested in the Final Fantasy, but I will say uh, the other day I did watch something new, which is the third installation of the Godzilla anime. Oh, you finally wa- you watched that one? That one was kind. Of, that was a weird one. Yeah, and it, and it was and it was pre- and I do think some of the criticisms about it being pretty boring were accurate. I, th- yeah. I think that's my that's my least favorite of the three so far. Yeah, 
For sure. Then I don't think there's anything else to say about it other than that. But uh, I, you know, it's Godzilla. I had to watch it. So, yeah, what they did with Ghidorah. Yeah, that, not that, not a yeah, not a fan was, of that. That was weird. That would, yeah, I kept expecting it. You know, to it. I expected it to take more of a solid form at the end. Um, yeah, but it did. It it was it was. You give him credit for doing something different, but as we know, doing something different doesn't always work. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, I assume the next episode we'll be talking about the next issue of the Green Lantern, huh? Yes, I think we'll do Green the Green Lantern number four next, and we'll do and we'll talk about the End Game Super Bowl trailer because Lord knows we, right. Lord knows there's nothing else about the Super Bowl we're talking about, but the trail but the trailer would be worth talking about. Yeah, everybody's like that was a great defensive game. It's like, do you watch football for the defense? Even fantasy, you you don't pick defensive players. Well, you can't. You just say you Depends. you you, Depends. you know, whatever. You you pick a defensive team, <laughs> like the, the entire defensive line. <laughs> Nobody cares. I like. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite players is Luke Keechley. So I care about defense in some in some way, shape, or form. But that's not why you watch football. <laughs> it would have been a good the the. Uh, Idea that it was a great defense. Well, let's let's put it this way: it was a great defensive game played. Now, now, don't get me wrong; both teams played very well defensively. And in a vacuum, clearly, this was the Patriots' best defensive game that they played at any of their Super Bowls under Belichick. Because usually, they're gasping for air in the fourth quarter, even if they played a good three quarters. By the fourth quarter, that's usually when a lot of teams do their damage against them. In the Super Bowl, a lot of teams. The Falcons didn't, but you know, but a lot. If you look back at a lot of certainly the originals, Belichick Super Bowls, the Rams, the Panthers, all the, uh, even the Giants when they beat them in the undefeated season. The Giants, I think, scored their two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, but they played a really good defensive game. But you give more credit to Wade Phillips because the Rams came up with a. I think the Rams came up with a much better game plan and and kept, and and were able to deal with most of what the Patriots were doing until very late in the game. The Rams simply didn't make any adjustments. Not that the Belichick's plan and the, it wasn't good, but McVeigh made no adjustments at all. So it made it made it real easy to keep the momentum going. Yeah, I mean, no, didn't keep it back in to protect Goff, even though they had they couldn't their pass their offensive line was bad. Been pass blocking the entire game from the first series on. They couldn't protect Goff, so let's keep dumping the putting the back in the flat. But instead of keeping one in to help pass block and slow the pass rush down, they made no adjustments at the half, which is exactly what McVeigh did against the Bears when they, and what exactly what the Rams did for almost an entire month when they were struggling offensively. So yes, what the Patriots did was cool, but they didn't play an offensive juggernaut that was seemingly unstoppable throughout the entire year, and then got taken apart in the Super Bowl. That wasn't the Rams. The Rams' offense was not the same during the last two months. Ever since that Monday night game, which put defense back 75 years in that like that 54-51 game against the Chiefs, the the, the Rams' offense was just not the same. So mm-hmm. it it was good. Give them, give the Patriots disgustingly credit. But the Rams made it real easy because their de- their defense played well enough to win. You give up 13 points in the Super Bowl to the Patriots, you should be winning that game <laughs> all <Yeah>. the time. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, all right, all right, guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week when we talk about the Green Lantern number four. Good night, everybody. Good night.